Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks, well, welcome to Bird and Mouse Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Happy to be here talking about our Catholic faith um, and really sharing what it is we believe, you know, what it is that we think to be true, what it, we think to be beautiful, and what we think to be holy. This is what it's all about, folks. Why are we living? Why is it that? What's the spice of life? Well, month of February here, um, Valentine's Day coming up. Let's talk about love a little bit. This is going to be an important topic um, because I think that we're always looking for it. People are always trying to figure out, especially this time of year, why I should be in love or why am I not in love? Why am I not in a relationship? What am I looking for? I've got my checklist. It's important to really think about what is it that we're doing? Or, hey, even if we are in a relationship, is this the right relationship for me, assuming you're still dating? If you're married, well, how can I make my marriage better? Well, hopefully we can touch on these topics and shed a little light on, on the issue. But as we get started here at the top of the noon hour, let's start with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, and be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, folks, why don't we get started with <clears throat> the idea of, hey, Valentine's Day is coming around. You're going to see roses. You're going to see candy. Everything's going to be red and pink out there. Uh, and, you know, even for my kids, we've got to start getting Valentine's Day cards to distribute in the classroom and, you know, share everybody and tell everybody how much we love them. And this is the one day of the year that love is mandatory. But sometimes I think that we're not even sure exactly what love is. You know, we use the word love, I love you, or Valentine's Day, so I have to tell somebody that I love them. And if somebody doesn't get something on Valentine's Day, boy, something's a problem. If we're in a relationship and somebody doesn't tell me they love me on Valentine's Day, this, this is a situation. People get upset. Well, then we got to wonder, what about the rest of the year? So is that the only day we deserve to be loved? I don't know about that. But why don't we take a look at what we mean by love in the Catholic faith and how that should develop what I would advise my children, my own kids, um, or couples in relationship when they come and talk to me and ask me for help, uh, or people who are already in marriages and, and they feel like, you know, I don't know if my marriage is going in the right direction. 
But let's look at the Bible. This is an important Bible reading. This is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15. I'm going to start at verse 12. It's going to be verses 12 through 17. Let me read this a little bit. It says this. This is where Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do not if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know his mas- what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you, to love one another. This is pretty deep. We're going to break this down a little bit, because I want to see exactly what is Jesus telling us about love. You know, he's using the word love multiple times. He's telling us what love is. He's telling us what there is no greater love than. Um, And here, as we're looking for love, we're going to break this down, but we're going to break this down a little bit later in the show, because the first thing is, let's talk about what we see as love, the practical nature of love, what we see in our everyday. And then we're going to apply it to this reading. And we're going to hopefully have it make more sense and be a little bit more profound. But the reality is this, you know, we start we start growing up. We start hitting puberty. What used to be, you know, cooties or boys have cooties, girls have cooties. All of a sudden we start to notice that cooties transformed a little bit and Maybe they don't have cooties as much anymore. Maybe I really like this person. And maybe, you know, this person uh, is, is nice to me. And, and why was this girl nice to me? And I never saw this girl in this light before. Boy, that boy, he's starting to look handsome now. What's going on? You know, we start to grow up and we start to realize that we have these feelings, feelings of affection. Sadly, in today's world, uh, you know, as soon as you have a feeling of affection, they equate it with, well, you're supposed to be intimate with this person many times, uh, or at least it seems that way to a lot of people, uh, which is not necessarily the case. Why don't we start talking about friendship? I think we've lost the art of friendship to begin with. You know, as we get closer to this day of Valentine's Day, we got to ask ourselves, do I even have friends to begin with? Who am I going to fall in love with? You know, we are desperate for love as people. We are social creatures. We're made for love. We're made to be loved. That's that's our whole goal. If we're going to join God and God is love, that's it. There's nothing else. God loves us and we're going to we're going to join God. And all that's left is love, right? Faith, hope and love and the greatest of these is love. Well, what about the friendship part? What you know, we're so we're, we're so wanting to be loved that we're willing to go on the computer on on dating sites and talk to people we don't even know yet. We just see profiles, we see names, we start talking to them and, and chatting with them because we want to build something. We want to build some kind of a base with the goal of dating sometimes, right? So there, I don't know of any websites. Granted, I'm not very uh, social media savvy, but I don't know of any websites that are just for, hey, let's make a friend, right? Now, let's look at something like I know that people do friend people. People go on different social media sites and say, oh, I have so many friends or people friended me or something like that. But it's not, it doesn't seem like it's a direct site for, for making friends. Some of these websites where people post pictures and things like that. It's not exactly for making friends. Those websites seem to be like, I'm going to post pictures and I'm going to see how many people like me. I don't know how many people say, well, yeah, for, you know, we met on this, on this website and, and then we became good friends. Unless there's some kind of a meetup group or something where you're going to meet in person. And that makes sense. You start spending time together. What is it that makes a friendship? That's what makes a friendship. 
you start spending time together. There's nothing more precious than we have in this world than time, right? You start spending time together and you start to realize that this is a person who I want to share my personal life with, who I want to hang out with, who I want to be with. I see my kids and I think, you know, are they developing good friendships? Who are their friends? Why are they friends? People will start to develop friendships for many different reasons. You know, some are healthy and some are not. You know, we can say that they're friends, but really, are they more of an acquaintance? Is it that they want something from me? If, I, if I'm listening to their problems all the time and that's great, they're coming to me and, and it seems like we have this relationship where they come to me, they let me know what their problems are and somehow I listen, I give them good advice and, and we hang out that way. I feel good because I feel like I'm giving them good advice. But at that point, if that's all we're doing, it sounds like that's more of a therapeutic relationship. And this is what I would tell my kids. You know, I would say, hey, are these truly your friends? Do they listen to you as well? It's got to go both ways, right? It's got to go both ways. There, there's got to be a situation where I got to be able to share what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, um, and be listened to as well. This is where the friendship really develops. This is what's dangerous about some of these friendships online. One, because from a psychiatric point of view and dealing with patients that I deal with who are not very mentally well or don't have the best of intentions, I tell anybody who's looking for friendships online, be very cautious, especially if you're young, if you're a teenager, if you're preteen and you're on social media or anything like that. One of the challenges is you start talking to people online and they'll tell you that they're about your age or that they uh, share the same interests. And hey, why don't we meet up? You know, why don't you ride your bike and I'll ride my bike or we'll meet at this place. And it turns out that it's really not somebody your age. It's, it might be somebody older, somebody, uh, you know, a man who's pretending to be a young girl or or pretend to be much younger than he is and might be a predator. You know, these are the things that we need to look out for. This is the important thing about true friendship and being in each other's presence um, versus just being on social media. Now, that's an extreme case. And I know that can be kind of scary. You might be saying, Dr. Sandoval, come on. How many of those cases happen? Well, if you look on the news, that happens and it happens more often than we like. But yeah, sure, the majority of the time people might start to meet online and say, why don't we meet up? And let's say it's a couple of adults. And then a lot of my patients will tell me, Dr. Sandoval, what do I got to do to meet the right person? I've been online, you know, I've, I've met these people and it doesn't work. And I ask them, well, what's the process? What is it that you do? They say, well, I go online and I, I start, you know, look at different profiles and this guy's cute or this girl seems to have the same interests as I do. And it seems like we're about the same age and, uh, you know, they're we're getting in there and, and we can directly message each other and write to each other. Oh my gosh, they're so funny. And they just make me laugh and I love it. And, you know, we're laughing all the time. And then we decide we're going to meet and I get scared. I don't know if I'm ready to meet them. At that point, I'm kind of like, well, didn't you already meet them? You're, you said that your the social media stuff, the computer stuff is really good. Well, no, of course, right? We haven't, they haven't met yet. Um, and that can be a challenge now. Now we're going to meet in person. Now it's a big deal. Well, now it gets scary. And the big question is, why is it that when we meet in person, all of a sudden I get there and this person who I've been speaking to, who is so funny and who makes me laugh all the time, we get to this place, we meet in person, and it's just different. This isn't the same person I've been speaking to. Now, granted, they are because that's who they are in the picture. They know all of our conversations. But once we get there, boy, it's just all this laughter and everything that I that we shared before, it seems to just be gone. 
what's going on? Why is that the case? Why is it that it's not the same person for me? And it happens over and over. Well, we'll figure out that after the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. And today we're talking about relationships, dating, love. Valentine's Day is coming up. Love is in the air. What does all this mean? Before the break, we were talking about when. why is it that when, you know, people come to me in therapy sessions or just in general and tell me, Dr. Sandoval, I've been trying to meet people. I go online, I go on dating websites, social media, things of that nature, and you know, I uh, we, I chat with people, we get to know each other, and or at least we get to know each other online through the website. And when it comes time to meet in person, we're going to set up a lunch date, a coffee date or something. We're going to sit down to meet in person and it just doesn't work. It, it just, you know, it's not the same here. I thought, wow, I met this person. I'm so hopeful. And then we're there in person and it doesn't work. Why is that? Because there's one very important piece of human nature that needs to be accounted for. And that piece is called chemistry, not the subject chemistry of all the elements in the periodic table, chemistry as in the way we talk about it socially, where we meet somebody and why is it that we make friends with some people and not others? Why is it that in a group of friends, I'm gonna be closer friends with some people and not others? Because that is just how we get along. There's, there's things about us that until we are in person, we're not gonna know our personalities, um, are the way we smile, the look in our face, the the gestures we make, certain nuances we speak with, the tone of voice, the expressions in our face. We're going to be attracted to certain things and certain things we're not going to be attracted to. And we're not going to know that until we actually meet the person in person, which is why if you look at some of these uh, shows on, you know, on, on TV or on the different uh, streaming websites where they're trying to make people fall in love whether uh, before they meet each other. And it's just by paper, and we're going to hook you up and we're going to have a couple of blind dates or you're going to get married right away or you're going to uh, be, be engaged even though you've never met. How many of these couples have actually made it and have gone through these shows? There's something about chemistry where you actually have to be there present in front of somebody talk to them, hear their voice, the sound of their voice, the rhythm of their voice, the, the way that they wear their hair, whatever it is. These are the things that make up uh, uh, the attraction that we have for people. And until you have that, until you meet the person, you're really not going to know. You know, it just doesn't make sense. Sometimes it grows. Sometimes you say, oh, we're in a group of people and somebody brought a friend along and I met them for the first time and they didn't, I didn't think much of them, but as I got to know them, boy, I started to like them. And that's a part of human nature we got to allow to happen. Sometimes we're so desperate to be in a relationship that we put the cart before the horse, as they say, and we try to get right into let's be boyfriend and girlfriend without the initial stage of let's talk, let's get to know each other, let's see what we're all about. Well, there was a good website I saw for if people are dating, um, what's important, some tips that they were giving on what's important, and I thought oh, this is pretty good. You know, this is something good to talk about. Now, let me read some of these tips for you here. We'll spend this segment of the show on, on dating, and we'll spend the next one on marriage. And the last segment of the show, we're going to break down that Bible passage because that's important. That's really where the meat of love is, and we're going to see how it applies to everything we talk about here. So the first tip, and I'll put this, uh, I'll put the link to this website on my on the show here at the bottom of the show, um, is focus on the present and not the past. I think that that's a great tip for life in general. Uh, you know, it's easy when we're focusing on the past. Whenever people come and talk to me, they always talk about, you know, relationships. And they're talking about dating or wanting to date. All they're focused on is failure, 
past relationships that have failed and why they failed and why it didn't work and why, you know, there's never this focus on, well, let's look at what did work or let's focus on where we're at now or where I want to move forward. It's always a question of, well, this is what happened. This is who I dated. And this is why it went so bad. It's because they did this or because I wasn't this way in the relationship. And we're always looking at this failure of, of the past. I think focusing on the present is key. This is where I'm at right now. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm ready for. Or this is what I can contribute to the relationship. Sometimes these checkoffs lists that we have are always about, you know, what's this person going to do for me? It's almost like we're in a candy shop and I'm looking for a particular flavor. Well, human beings are more complex than that. If that's what we've reduced it to, it's going to be really hard to formulate a relationship because it seems like I have, I'm perfect. I have no problems. I just have to pick out the right one. You know, it's almost like buying a car. I need to buy one, find somebody that's going to suit my taste without realizing, well, what am I bringing to the relationship? What am I, what kind of a relationship am I providing for the other person? Am I a good listener? Am I somebody who is fun to be around? Or am I looking for somebody to make me happy? Am I happy already? If I'm not happy already, that's going to be a tough relationship to be in. The next part says, the next tip is talk about the future early on. Believe it or not, this is important. And people say, well, we're just dating. We're having fun. Well, then what's the point? You know, we get to a certain age where you're dating, but then you start to realize, what am I dating for? Do I have goals for the future? And does this person have the same goals that I do? If we don't talk about that early on, I've seen lots of relationships where people are in relationships for a long time. And they don't even talk about, they say that they're going to get married, but they don't even talk about, do they want to have kids or not? And all of a sudden they get to the point where they start seriously talking about marriage. And after three years of dating, one person says, well, yeah, I've always wanted to have kids. And the other person says, well, no, I've never wanted to have kids. And the next thing you know, what's going to happen to that relationship? Is that even somewhere? Was this relationship going to go anywhere? It's important to talk about future goals. What are your career goals? Do they align? What are your goals for family? What are your goals for where you want to live? Does somebody want to settle down or just travel a lot? These are important things to talk about. And these are practical things to talk about because um, let's say that if we are Catholic and we want to be Catholic, and we want to raise a Catholic family and you find that you're dating somebody who's not Catholic, which I always tell my kids, that's just going to complicate your life. You know, it's so much easier to share your faith and try to convince somebody of your faith. It's just going to complicate your life if you're if you're dating somebody who's not Catholic. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying this is something important to talk about early on, because what did you say? Well, yeah, my kids are going to go to Catholic school. Of course, I'm going to raise them in the faith. I want to go to mass every Sunday with them but you and your partner aren't going to mass right now, the person you're dating, you're not going to mass right now, they're not going to get in the habit of going to mass later for the most part, for the most part. There's some people who do and some people who say, well, you know, I love them so much and I saw their faith and I was converted uh, to, I converted to the Catholic faith. You know, that can happen, but I wouldn't bank on it. You know, it's, it's, it's something that I wouldn't say, oh yeah, so they're telling me that they're going to do this. Well, they're saying they're going to do it, but are they going to church? Are they reading about the faith? Are they understanding what they say they're going to uh, convert to? If they're not, and they're just saying it's a nice idea and something I'm considering doing, it's going to be tough because you'd have to sit down and talk concretely about, this is what I believe as a Catholic. This is what I need to follow. This is what I want my kids to believe. It sounds like, Dr. Sandoval, you're making it seem so heavy. Well, it better be heavy. It better be something that you can get out of the way. Uh, and by get out of the way, I say, I mean, what I, I, what I mean is, talk about it early on so that you're on the same page. Then later on, when say you got married, you never talked seriously about it and you got married in the Catholic church and you're thinking, I'm going to have Marie's a Catholic family. 
and your spouse says, you know, I'm not as into it. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to you about it. I'll hear what you want to teach the kids. I'm not going to teach them anything. No, that's up to you. That's a lonely place. That's going to be a lonely place for uh, whoever the, the person who wants to raise the kids Catholic is or lead a Catholic family. So that's important. That's important to consider. The next point was make sure you're attracted to the person, not the idea of a relationship. I think this is a very, very important point. A lot of times we're dating, we're looking for that that relationship, and all we're talking about is the relationship. We don't even know who this person is, so we're just saying, we need, I need somebody to fit my bill, I need somebody to fill this spot, I need somebody to be in a relationship with, but we're not even so focused on the person, we're just focused on the idea of, I'm in a relationship, I'm not alone, thank goodness uh, that, that I'm there, you know, and, and then I'm, I'm already there, I'm happy. Well, we're going to look at a few more tips when we come back from the break on what to look for when you are dating. All right. Welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We are talking about dating and love and relationships and what this all means, especially around this uh, holiday of Valentine's Day that's coming up. We're talking about different tips on dating. One of the important ones here uh, that I was reading, especially in today's day and age, is don't have important conversations over text. Very, very important. You know, nowadays we've got so much technology, text messages, emails, they don't really convey, just like we were saying, why is it that dating online, you know, you meet in person and it's a whole different world because messages through a computer do not convey human emotion. They don't convey tone. They don't convey meaning, nuances, things of that nature. If you're having an important conversation, you can send a text message and it's just it might throw the person off or send the wrong message or upset that person um, because they read it the wrong way. And you could say, no, I didn't mean that. But by the time you get to them, boy, as human beings, we can get worked up over things that we don't even realize. And, you know, um, by the time somebody tries to explain to us that uh, it was different or that's not what was meant, sometimes a person's already very much convinced that that's what was meant. Their feelings are hurt. And now they're in a very real hurt situation where it didn't have to be that way. And that can be a tough position to be in. That can be a really hard position to be in. Um, here's another important point when you're dating. Know that red flags aren't suggestions and aren't going to go away. So this is a really, really important one. This is what I tell my kids early on, you know, at the stage that they understand. If you notice that you're not getting along well with somebody or after getting to know somebody, they're kind of a friend that you want to keep at arm's distance, something you got to listen to that then there, there's something that your gut is very importantly telling you you know it's important to listen to that instinct because once you see that red flag all you are going to do about it is make excuses that flag's not going away and by red flags obviously uh we mean you know things that just don't seem right uh the person the way the person spoke to me the way they got mad the way they didn't listen to me the way that they uh blew up the way that they promised that you know maybe they're drinking a little bit too much Maybe um, they like to do something like marijuana and they say, I don't do any stronger drugs, just smoke marijuana every now and then. Don't worry, I'll quit when we're married. Uh, you know, all these marital promises, I wouldn't bank on any marital promises. Anybody says, hey, when we're married, this is how I'm going to change. I wouldn't bank on that at all because we are who we are as human beings. When you met the person, assume that this is who you're going to marry. Assume that there aren't going to be any changes. Assume that their personalities are personality, their habits are their habits their interests or their interests, whatever it is that they are into and doing and the way that they treat people, the way that they treat you, the way that they treat your family, that's how it's going to be when you're married. 
Don't assume that, oh, well, when we're married, it's going to be different. You know, don't worry. I'm going to have a job once we're married. Well, are they working towards a job right now? This is important to consider. You know, these are the red flags that you could say, well, yeah, they say that they're going to have a job, but I don't see them going to school or college or classes or working towards any kind of career. That's a little disconcerting. It is very much disconcerting because once you get married, you know, there's not a whole lot of time, especially if you start having kids, there's not a lot of time to develop much else other than develop your family, you know, and that's the important thing. So there's a few points when you're looking for a good partner, when you're wanting to date, do they align with your values? Is this somebody, you know, they always say, is this somebody you can bring home to your family? The reality is, is this somebody who, if you are close to your family, is this somebody who's going to be a part of that family and let you be a part of that family? Or do you find that you kind of got to pull away a little bit or you got to hide um, or you're not going to jive as nicely or you're not going to, you know, come holiday season. You can tell that you don't really want to bring your spouse around because it's like two different worlds. Those are things to consider because those are things that are going to uh, continue throughout the relationship once you get married. So, and this is because we're Catholic and we're assuming that we're dating to get married. You know, a lot of times in today's society, people just date to date, but they don't think about, you know, oh, I'm going to get married down the road. As Catholics, we believe that there's a purpose and an end to this because once we get married, now here's the only advice I can think of for married couples or different pieces of advice I can think of for married couples. Uh, and this is from a Catholic perspective. So once we're married and we got married in the Catholic faith, in the Catholic church, here's the biggest challenge. And the biggest challenge is to remember every day that you are a sacrament. So you and your spouse, nobody else form a sacrament. Um, this is what's uh, challenging when we say, are you bringing yourself to the marriage every day? You start to realize that if my spouse and I are a sacrament, if she and I are a sacrament, and we're what is a sacrament? It's really living proof of Jesus. It's it's it's, it's the church uh, on earth, right? So the different sacraments, Holy Communion, it's the presence of Christ in the in the body and blood. Uh, uh, and the bread and wine is the body and blood of Christ. What's the sacrament of confession? It's the true forgiveness because this priest stands there in the power of Christ and forgives us, right? Forgives our sins. And so this is really Christ present on earth. Well, a marriage, that's what it is. My spouse and I are supposed to be or are God present, Jesus present on earth. And <clears throat> are we representing that? That's a big deal. When I start thinking about marriage that way, I start to realize Marriage has nothing to do with me. Marriage is something greater than me. No different than the Eucharist. The Eucharist has to do everything with my relationship with Christ. Confession has everything to do with my relationship with Christ. Holy orders has everything to do with our relationship with Christ. I'm going to develop, my whole life is going to be devoted to living um, strictly for God. Well, marriage has everything to do with my relationship with Christ. It just happens to be that my relationship with Christ, I have to incorporate that into how am I a living family of, of Jesus Christ representing the church? This is the important part about marriage. This is why the advice I give to married couples is if I realize that I'm a sacrament, I can't go around speaking poorly of my spouse. I'm going to know my spouse's weaknesses and she's going to know mine. I'm going to know her shortcomings and she's going to know mine. I'm also going to know her strengths and she's going to know mine better than anybody else. We're living in the same household. Do I respect all that? Do I respect the weaknesses as much as I respect the strengths? When we're in public, do I try to put our best foot forward? Do I try to put my wife in the best light possible? Um, and am I giving her good enough things of my character to work with that she can put me in the best light possible when she's talking to people? This is what's important. I hear a lot of spouses, especially in couples counseling, 
<clears throat> talking poorly about their spouse saying that their spouse is no good uh, or they sit with their friends at lunch and talk and share stories about who's got the the toughest marriage situation or the roughest relationship um, you know whose spouse is the worst how's that good for a marriage how's that good for the sacrament imagine for a moment going around and saying that well you know in the Eucharist I, I'm, I'm there I want to be united to Christ and we're in a relationship but I go around talking poorly about Jesus Christ. I look at all the all the things that I find wrong in the Bible about him and but I'm still receiving communion. Well, it doesn't really make sense, right? And now that we're a married couple, my whole the only thing I'm going to have to answer to to God is how well did I take care of my marriage? How well did I take care of my family? You know, I've made that decision. I asked this person to marry me. We got married in the church. We are now supposed to be a visible sacrament. Uh on earth we're supposed to be uh, allowed to allow ourselves to be witnesses of christ so that when people see us they say wow that's a married couple that that really makes me think of the church am i living my life in that way you know when we have children or we around our children who are an extension of ourselves right there's no the two flesh become one well that's one flesh right that each one of our children is a mix of each of us do i treat my children in a way that people find our marriage respectful that they realize, wow, that couple must be really together on this because look at how well their kids are doing. Is that possible? You know, these are all things we need to consider as a married couple. I think that we need to start from the fact that we are a sacrament and there's, am I upholding the sacrament or am I bringing it down? Another big challenge in married couples or when we're married is we say, well, marriage is 50-50 and if they're not going to contribute their part, why should I contribute mine? The hard part about that is that I'm not always 100%. Marriage, 50-50. I can't give 50 of myself, and then they expect them to give 50 of myself to make 100% of a marriage. In a marriage, I've decided to give 100% of myself. I asked this person, will you marry me? I didn't say, will you marry 50% of me? And when they said, yes, I will marry you, I went and I asked, I didn't say, will 50% of you marry me? No. I said, well, 100% of you marry me because I think that you are great. I can see, you know, such great things about you. I can also see the weaknesses about you, but guess what? I'm weak too. We're human beings. Everybody's going to have faults, but I think that we can get married and we can do something really good. We can bring each other up. Every day I got to give that 100% and not expect it in return. Because when we said our marriage vows, I never said anything about, you know, in, in the marriage vows as the priest was reading to us, as Catholic marriage vows are, are very much uh, a rubric. And what do we say in those vows? We say that I am going to love you. I, this is what I promise. I promise to love you. I promise to honor you. I promise to be faithful to you all the days of my life. I'm promising everything that I'm going to do for you. And no, nowhere in those marriage vows does it say, I promise to do all this so long as you do this or this or this, or you do this or that, or you know, you, you give 100% only when you're feeling good. No, I say, this is my promise. I promise to do that. Now, the other person says the same thing. I can't force somebody to keep their promises. I can only keep mine. And really, that's where I start to realize marriage isn't about me. You know, a lot of times we have this checkoff list of when I get married, this is what I want. And this is the kind of person I want to marry. And they're going to have this kind of job and they're going to, um, you know, do this. And I expect them to do this in marriage. And, you know, a lot of times people say, well, we're going to have the traditional marriage role roles, which are great. You know, the husband's going to go work, the, the woman's going to stay at home uh, and, to, and be a homemaker and 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 really manage the family uh, and take care of the kids. And the husband's going to be able to provide for the family. That's all great and fine and dandy. But I've seen sometimes where people take that to the extreme where they're like, well, if I come home and I'm the man of the house and the dishes are dirty, I'm not touching those at all. 
well, where was that as part of the marriage vow? The marriage vow had nothing to do with dishes or, or married roles or anything like that. It was about, I'm going to contribute 100%. And if I see that the dishes aren't done, well, maybe I can help out there. Maybe that's something that needs to get done. Or vice versa. You know, if there's things that the husband normally does and the wife says, well, maybe they didn't get to do that. I'm going to go take care of that. You know, you got to work hard towards your marriage and make sure that your marriage is working with the expectation that, yes, your spouse is supposed to help you out too. One of the challenges comes when people come to me for help and they say, but Dr. Sandoval, you know, um, my spouse is drinking or my spouse isn't being faithful to me or, you know, I'm not sure how to stop doing drugs or my spouse is really loud and they get violent. This is very, very challenging. These are very, very challenging situations because the marriage vows are not being upheld. And if you're in an abusive situation like that, at that point, we've got to ask ourselves, one, was this a valid marriage to begin with? Has it always been this way? Uh, was your spouse always doing drugs and they didn't tell you? Uh, you know, is there mental health issues going on that you weren't aware of? I would say definitely you want to talk to a priest, a spiritual counselor, somebody, uh, and see <clears throat> what's going on as far as the validity of your marriage. If you feel like your marriage wasn't valid or people are not upholding their vows, this is important to consider because I never advise anybody to stay in an abusive situation. On the other side of things, people come to me sometimes and say, well, they're abusive because I was getting mad and I was yelling at them and I was saying this and then they started yelling at me, but they weren't hearing me out and they're so abusive. And I say, well, but you said you started off yelling. I think sometimes it just comes down to communication issues. You know, in marriage, even though we are both married, we said I do. One thing we need to remember is that we're continually getting to know each other. I can't say I know my spouse wholly and entirely. It's a lifelong date. It's the longest date that we're going to have. Really, when I said, will you marry me? It was really, hey, do you want to go on a really long date? And this date's going to be the rest of our lives. And it's just going to be you and me. And we're going to go to sleep together. And we're going to wake up together. And I'm no longer going to pick you up on the date because we're going to be in the date. And the same way that we're dating, and I keep asking you questions about, well, what do you like to do? And what's your favorite color? And I try to you know, bring you little gifts here and there. And I try to, and I get so excited to see you before the date. I hope that that's what we continue to contribute to our marriage, where I get excited to wake up the next day and be able to spend another day with you and hopefully bring you more gifts and keep this state going um, until death do us part. That's really what it comes down to in a sacramental marriage. That's how we're going to best exemplify Christ on earth. When we come back from the break, we're going to look at what does Christ have to say about love after the break. All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Louis Sandoval. And here on the last segment of the show, um, I want to look at what does Christ say about love? Because we can talk about dating and relationships and what I'm looking for in a relationship. Um, but here's a big, big challenge, especially if anybody who is looking to date, uh, who is still thinking about um, do I want to get married? Is God calling me to a married life? Who's out there? What's going on in the dating world? One of the best advice, pieces of advice that I got growing up was that just because you love somebody doesn't mean that they are the right person for you. And that was a little bit hard to swallow because I was in college and I was, you know, meeting people and you start having an idea about love and, uh, and, you know, you you always imagine that, well, I'm going to fall in love and that's the right person. But just because you think you love somebody, it doesn't mean that they're the right person for you to marry. And in fact, sometimes 
because you love that person and you see the situation for what it is, you see who they are and you see who you are with them. Sometimes because you do love that person, you say, no, we can't get married because this isn't going to work out. It's just not, you know, I know that we have really good times and it feels really good together. And, you know, we're having, we're laughing all the time. You have a great sense of humor, great personality, um, but you don't want to be Catholic. And that's going to be tough because being Catholic and having a Catholic family, that's more important to me than the way that I'm feeling right now, because I can see long-term that this is for the salvation of my soul, the salvation of the soul of my spouse and my kids, you know, and we're going to be a sacrament within the Catholic faith. You're a great person. And maybe you don't have any religious beliefs or uh, maybe you are, uh, you know, you say that you're Christian, but you're not Catholic and you're not sure that you even want to consider the Catholic faith. You want to stay in your whichever Protestant religion you're in. But that's not what I want for my kids. I want my kids to have two Catholic parents. And that might be more important to me than, you know, this sense of happiness right now, because I know that down the road, this sense of happiness might not last, you know, and things are going to change because what's going to make me happy is really following my faith and having a family that follows along in that faith. And I don't know that that's going to happen for us. That's true love right there. That's saying, I love you and I love me. And I can see that this isn't going to, this isn't going to work, even though I know that you're a wonderful person and boy, we're so happy together, but I can look down the road. That's being prudent. That's really saying, you know, this is what's important. And I want you to be happy too, because if we were to get married, I don't think you'd be happy if every day I'd be telling you, look, you got to be Catholic or talk to the kids about being Catholic. And that's not the way you were brought up. And that's not something that's part of you. That's a big challenge. That's a big challenge to consider. But let's look at what Christ has to say about marriage. Excuse me, about love. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's pretty powerful. This is, Jesus is saying this is a commandment. We go back and we look at the Ten Commandments, and we look at uh, Moses and coming down from Mount Sinai. He's got the Ten Commandments. We look at those Ten Commandments pretty seriously, and we say, did I break any of these? I have to go to confession if I broke some of these. I have to get back in good in good relationship with God. Jesus is God, and he's saying this is my commandment. This is a big one. That you love one another as I have loved you. Well, now we got to ask ourselves, okay, how has Christ loved us? Well, let's look at the very next sentence. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's pretty powerful right there. You know, how has Christ loved us? He laid down his life for us. So that's one. Am I willing to lay down my life for this person? That's something I need to consider. And is this person willing to do the same for me? That's what's going to constitute a good marriage. That's what's going to constitute a good relationship to say, I'm willing to die for this person. And we're going to talk about what that means a little bit too. But Jesus said that he's willing to lay down his life for his friends. So notice I kept saying, well, am I willing to lay down my life for this person? But then I got to ask myself, is this person my friend? Who's my friend? So I got to have not just a spouse, but a friend. What does this mean? This is what Jesus says. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. That's pretty powerful right there. Jesus is saying, everything that I know, everything that's been given to me, I've given to you. All that I have been made known by my father, I make known to you. This is where the marriage comes in. This is where a true relationship comes in. Am I willing to share everything with you? Are you my friend? Am I willing to spend all my time with you and share all my thoughts and fears and hopes with this person who now becomes my friend, 
who I trust with my most intimate being. And they're doing the same for me. This is where we're friends. Am I willing to lay down my life for this friend? I'll be honest with you. A lot of times when we're in couples therapy and I see two couple, two people there and they're telling me, doc, but they do this and she does this and he does that. The first thing I tell them is, I don't think you guys are even friends to begin with. I think you got to start there. Why don't you start building a friendship? Because a lot of times we just want to build a marriage without realizing I need to build a friendship. Is this person my friend? Is this somebody I'm willing to lay down my life with? And is this somebody who I'm willing to call my friend? This is pretty powerful. Jesus is saying we're not servants, we're friends. A lot of times in relationships, we want to overpower people and I'm going to make them change and I'm going to tell them how to think and I'm going to change them this way and this is the way they're going to be. Well, what good is that in the relationship? I don't want that for me. I don't want somebody to come in and say, well, I got to change you in order for me to be happier for us to be in a relationship. That's the servant part. Look at what Jesus said about that. He said, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, Right? I'm going to change you. I'm going to do this to you. You're my servant. You're here to serve my needs because I'm going to mold you to the way I want you to be. And that's a tough place to be in versus saying, no, we're friends. As we're friends, we're equals. This is where Jesus is saying, hey, we're equals and we're equals before the father. This is what Jesus is really saying here. You and I are going to be equal and we're going to be equal in front before the father because I've told you everything I know. You can, you know, come into this friendship and you can be just like me. And when we come before the father, we're going to be equals and the father's going to see me. He's going to see you. And he's going to say, I see my son in you and you can come into the kingdom of heaven. Is this what, is this what my relationship is like? Do I see my partner? Do I see my spouse? Do I see my wife as my equal? This is important. Yes. Men and women are different inherently, obviously, biologically, a lot of the way we think there's so many differences between us. There's no question about that, but do I see equal dignity, equal importance, in the relationship between me and my spouse? Do I see her as my equal in front of our children? Or do I say, no, I'm in charge, so this is the way it goes. I might be the head of the family, but I'm not always in charge. You know, there's a big difference. So that's something to consider as well, because nobody should be, my wife is not my servant, although at times she serves me, and I'm not her servant, although at times I serve her. We serve each other in different ways. And that's really the basis of the marriage right there. When I said, will you marry me, means will you let me serve you? And when she says yes, she says, yes, I will serve you as well. That's really what it comes down to. Notice in the marriage vows, it's I promise to love you, which means I promise to be at your service. And that's what my wife said to me. She said, I promise to love you too, and I promise to be at your service. This is where Jesus is saying, I'm laying down my life for you. I am serving you. I expect you to love me back. I expect you to come back as friends. We're not master and servant. It's not, it's not be my servant. It's let's be of service to each other. And that's the important part. And Christ really tells us, you know, we're going to be equals before the father. This is the next part. He says, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you to love one another. I think that this is where the fruit of the marriage comes in. If my wife and I understand this and we start to love one another and we come together in that marriage, remember, we've got to come together in that marriage as a sacrament, as a living witness of Christ on earth. When we pray together, when we come before the Father, if God sees, God the Father sees Christ in our marriage, this is where, what did Jesus say about that? He just said, go and bear fruit that you should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You will have abundant blessings. This is what Valentine's Day is all about. I'm going to love people the way Christ loves me. If I'm going to look to date somebody, if I want to be in a relationship, 
Are we going to be able to love each other honestly? Yes, I might love the person, but are they the right person for me? I can say I love the person, but I, if I know that there's red flags, if I know that there's things there that aren't going to work out, I'm not being honest with that person either. I don't want to stay in a relationship because I feel sorry for the person. That's not being fair to them either. That's not a good relationship. That's a red flag. If I do that, it's a red flag on my part because I'm not in the relationship for the right reasons. I'm not going to love somebody because I feel sorry for them. If I do, then I'm not being fair to them. I, didn't, I already went into the marriage on, on, the, on the wrong foot because I wasn't ready for that marriage. I can't marry somebody because I feel sorry for the person. I have to really feel that I love this person and that I want what's best for this person. I'm not trying to change this person. This is who they are. I see them for who they are. And I hope, based on our relationship, that they see me for who I am. Once we're married, this is where we have to accept this is who they are. This is who I married. You know, is this somebody I'm proud of? Is this somebody I can, you know, introduce to my friends and say, look, this is my spouse. I'm very happy about that. If when I'm dating, I already don't feel that way. That's a red flag. That red flag is not going to go away. It's not going to make for a good relationship because I'm already feeling that there's something missing in the relationship. There's something missing in what could possibly be a good marriage. But once I'm married, give myself wholly to this person, be ready to die for this person and assume that they're feeling the same about me. We have this love that Christ is talking about. When we come together, the trials, the tribulations of marriage, there's going to be hard times because there's going to be days that you don't feel that love for your spouse, that you don't feel that you're in love with your spouse. There's going to be days where you feel that you wish your spouse did things differently, but you got to take that step back and realize this is who they are and I married them. I can't go there and change who they are. This is who I asked to be married to. You know, if I if I try to go change them, if they want to change, great. I want to support them in whatever ways they want to change in a positive way. If my spouse tells me, you know, I want to take up this new hobby or something that's really cool, great. I support you in that. You know, if it's something good. If it's something that's going to take away from the marriage, take away from our time with our children. If I start telling my spouse, oh, you know, I'm going to move my career in this direction, and even though we're fine right now, but I'm going to you know, we're gonna have to move out of state, we're gonna have to change everything, because I really want this other position. And I really want to feel important. And I want to feel this, you know, get this new job out of state, and uproot the whole family. Well, there's a little bit about, am I willing to die for my family? This is where the death comes in. It doesn't mean that I'm willing to die necessarily flesh and blood, which it might mean that, right? Obviously, if there's, if there's a something that's going, you know, bump in the night, and I have to go check it out, I'm willing to put my life on the line for my family. Absolutely. But Am I also willing to die to myself? Am I willing to die to those things that I feel are ambitious or ambitions for my ego? Am I willing to die uh, to my own uh, goals that I think, oh, this would be so great for me? And yeah, my family's going to have to be uprooted, but they're going to live with it so that I can fulfill my wishes and dreams. That could be a little bit tough. This is really where I got to say, no, I got to die to that. Maybe there's a position somewhere else that I think, oh, this would be wonderful, but it would be really really disruptive to the family who's already settled and in place, that can be a tough place for people. Why? Because all of a sudden I got to say, you know what? That's not my place in life anymore. That's not my dream to chase. My dream has to be my family and what's best for my family. And it might hurt a little bit. Death is not easy. Death is scary and it can be painful. But at the same time, I got to look at, this is what I'm dying to because this is who I love. These are my friends, my wife, my kids. They're, they're my family. I'm the dad. But in a way, we share life together. We share a friendship together. Not in that they're buddy buddies with me. I'm still their dad. I'm not there to be their, their buddy. But we share a friendship in our household. And I got to be ready to say, hey, I'm ready to die to myself. And I'm assuming that my wife would be too. Why? 
because there's things we're not going to do anymore. We might not take, all of a sudden can't take that trip that I wanted to take. Why? Because I'm not going to disrupt the whole family in doing so. And this is where the true love comes in. This is where saying, these are my friends and I'm willing to die to my needs. Now, it's a little bit different than somebody not letting you fulfill certain dreams or certain goals that you have that are going to be important in your life as well. You have to ask yourself, you know, is this person allowing me to be myself? Well, the best way to do that is before you get married, while you're dating, ask yourself this, are they letting me be myself now? Are they listening to me now? Are they are they dying to a little bit to themselves while they listen to me? Am I dying a little bit to myself as I listen to them? Do we see that our lives together might be better and more fulfilled? That's what's going to make an important marriage. That's what's really going to fulfill us. And that's really what's going to bring us a true sense of love in our lives. So to all of our listeners, what I really want to say is, as we're thinking about Valentine's Day, as we're thinking about love, as we're thinking about, uh, <clears throat> you know, what does this mean in our lives? What is it that we're really looking for? We want to think back to what Christ said. You know, let's look at his commandment. Let's love one another as he loved us. And that's going to be the true meaning of love in our lives to be fulfilled always in the <clears throat> in the life of Christ and the spirit of Christ. There's no greater love than the love that Christ gives us. There's no question about that. Um, if we ever do doubt that, then we need to get back to asking ourselves, why? Why is it that I'm doubting that? Because that someday... I'm going to pass from this life. There's not going to be much else. There's not going to be any more. And I'm going to have to decide, am I going to move forward? How am I going to move forward in this life? <clears throat> am I always going to be looking for, you know, a lot of people say I look for love in all the wrong places. And that can happen to some people. They start to uh, ask themselves, what's love about? If we don't bring it back to Jesus Christ and the sacraments and that God is love himself, it's going to be really hard for us to find fulfillment in life. Why? Because we're going to start saying, you know, I'm going to look for, I'm going to have that hole in my heart where I want to be loved and I'm going to look for other things to fill it. I'm going to look for drugs. I'm going to look for bad relationships. I'm going to look for friends who don't treat me as nicely as I wish that they would. Uh, and that's going to be a really hard place to be. <clears throat> it's going to be something that we're going to say to ourselves, no, you know, I don't think that uh, my life is in a good place. Why is it that I'm always looking for all these things? I see this all the time in therapy. You know, people come to me and say, Dr. Sandoval, all I'm looking for is to be in a happy, healthy relationship. I want to fall in love. I want to be uh, in love with, with somebody. And I don't know how to go about this because every time I do this, I end up in bad relationships. I look at my family and I swore I was never going to be in a relationship where somebody drank and treat, treated me poorly, even though, because that's what I saw my dad do to my mom. And all of a sudden I end up in these relationships. I say, go back and look at what true love is. Read the Bible. Look at the love that Christ gives us and offers to us. That's where true love lies. When we start to say, I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to love other people the way Christ loved us. But I'm also going to look to how people love me. And do they love me with that love of Christ? If they don't, that might be a huge red flag that I need to get away from. The true love, especially coming up on this Valentine's Day, is thinking, hey, am I being loved the way Christ loved us? And am I loving somebody else the way that Christ wants me to love them? That's what it comes down to, folks. It comes down to being a family in Christ. It comes down to being a family with each other. It comes down to wishing the best for the other person. Even if it means that I might have to step away from a relationship, I might have to not follow that relationship because just because somebody loves me doesn't mean that they're the right person for me. 
but it also might mean that I'm not the right person for that. Eventually, though, we will find that love so long as we follow Christ. Until next week, let's keep it Catholic.